Thanks for downloading this podcast from The Rock of York. We hope it inspires you. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, at The Rock of York, or search for The Rock of York on Facebook. And of course, there's the website at www.rockofyork.co.uk. But you probably already knew that. Here's something you might not know. We said we'd begin on time. Thank you for being here. It's uh, a very kind of you to come and listen to my ramblings. Um, you can put so much uh, work into stuff and then I stand up here and I think I've got nothing to say and I just think, what am I going to do? But uh, I've spent a lot of time last week and this week um, and uh, hope uh, what I've got to say is helpful. Um, just over the last however many I know we haven't had Indeed for a while, but um, we've talked about the Bible, we've talked about our understanding of the Bible, we've talked about the devil, we've talked about all sorts of things, trying to just bring uh, another understanding of, of things. And um, uh, I thought I'm, I'm going to carry on because we've talked about hell, we've talked about how uh, certain things have been invented um, and when you actually look at what the, the scripture actually says, you see how it's been then uh, adapted to, to mean other things. And uh, sadly, I would have to say that uh, over the last definitely 500 years, <coughs> excuse me, um, what has become the mainstream Christian uh, understanding is actually very fear-driven and dominated by certain ideas uh, which, when you really get down to looking at Scripture, it, it, it's sort of questionable. I'm being very careful. It's questionable whether it has foundation. Now, we, I've written all these things down here. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself again, but I want you to understand what, I've, what I'm doing. Um, all these words on here, you could call them Christianese uh, as a language. The, the words that most of us should have come across because of what we understand of the uh, Christian message. And um, I wrote them down because I don't know about... Uh, if it, Those of you who have joined the church over, however, a uh, short period of time will not have heard some of these subjects talked about here, but you will know about them from past experience. Would you, would you agree? There's, there's some things that we just haven't talked about, mainly because we think there's more important things. However, like what I said on, on Saturday night, you suddenly hear that uh, the end of the world is coming on the 23rd uh, of September and you're thinking, what, what's that all about? It's because there is this other stream going on, uh, very much believing in certain prophecies uh, from Scripture that they're holding to and uh, which creates an awful lot of panic and a lot of fear for people. And... Uh, that literally is going on. And on the basis of that, uh, let me just tell you straight away. On the 21st of October 17, the same person who said this Nibiru was going to hit uh, the world um, is still insisting that seven years of tribulation is going to start. Now, you'll say, well, what, what's the seven years of tribulation? <coughs> Sorry. Well, it's another one of those things that if you are a mainstream Christian, you would have come across the seven years of tribulation. And we, we can talk about that. We can't talk about it all. Um, but according to this person, it's going to start next month. It's the seven years of famine and horror. Terrible things are going to happen. Um, now, there's been a lot of things that have been mistranslated. We talked about this one here, didn't we? devil, Satan, Lucifer. And for those of you who weren't in the study, don't worry about it. You can listen to it. But what we did find is that there's very flimsy evidence to actually say, first of all, that the devil is actually Lucifer. And also whether there is a devil as a cosmic entity or not. It's questionable because in the, in the Old Testament, they didn't hold to there being a devil other than him being I'm sorry, I cannot clear my throat right now. <coughs> Other than him being an accuser or an adversary, which we saw if we, as we went through, that anybody could be an accuser, 
anybody could be an adversary, including God. And we showed scriptures where it said, and, and, and Satan went to David, um, but it actually, if you see the same story in another part of the scripture, it's actually God went to David. So it wasn't that we're saying that God is Satan, we're saying he was being adversarial. Do you remember this? I mean, I'm just recapping. So the reason I mention that is because there has been mistranslations and misinterpretations, and often it's for the sake of serving an agenda, and that's very unfair. We know for a fact that the King James Version of the Bible, there's many things in there that are written in order to serve the purpose of the king. Right, He translated things in a certain way to make sure he was always going to be the top dog and looked after, etc., etc. So he would say things and interpret things uh, in order to serve his agenda. Now, um, there are words that have been translated into English for whatever reason. There are other words that have just been left alone and not translated. And you think... Why? If you're going to do a translation, surely you're going to translate it all. So for instance, I'll give you an example. There's a word in the Old Testament and it's called Maseroth. Maseroth. Funny word, Maseroth. Do you know what it means? It means zodiac. But guess what? Zodiac wouldn't be accepted because that would be the following of the stars. So let's leave it as Maseroth and let everybody just not have a clue what it really means. Do you, see, do you see what I'm saying? So there's been some real, the word is mischief. Now you might say, does it matter about all of this? And on the one hand, I say no, <laughs> because I know that we are loved and we are precious in the sight of our creator and it is finished. If, if that was the gospel, which for me nowadays, it more or less is, I'd say, forget all about it. However, we have got the problem that there is a whole bunch of people out there who aren't satisfied with that and they go down this line of particularly things like the second coming, Christ's return and the doctrine of that and um, basically it becomes quite difficult and, and, and you might say, well, why do we need to know about it? Because at the end of the day, what you believe about God which in turn will interpret a lot of this, will make you the sort of human being that you are. Now, I was on Facebook uh, this morning and uh, somebody had sent a message to a person who um, is basically LGTBQ affirming, right? And they'd put something out there to that effect. And this person had put something like that, I hope you will burn in hell with the rest of them and blah, 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 blah. So you're thinking, where has that come from? It's because that Christian has certain beliefs that take them on a trajectory which has no um, compassion or grace outside of what they believe fits with Scripture to confirm that God is a particular being who is coming uh, in wrath to sort out the, you know, the wheat and the tares. Remember the, the, that story? The sheep and the goats, there are good and there's bad and God's coming to judge. And that's what makes these sort of things happen. So you could say, well, we can stick our head in the sand and pretend or just forget all about it. But it's going to come up somewhere in, 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 in some Wait, for instance, at the, uh, the, um, the wedding last week, it was interesting that we were sat at a table with a, a lady who clearly was a church goer and professed to be, I'm trying to, I don't really know how to put this, but I suppose they would say that they were a believer and a Christian. But as we sat at the table with them, after the wedding service, the first question that she asked me and Anth was, would you call yourselves Christians? Which really blew me back because I'm thinking, well, on what basis would they ask that question after what they'd experienced? Because we didn't, we weren't wringing chickens' necks or anything or doing anything that would appear, um, I don't know. See, I'm struggling to know what to say because we are who we are, aren't we? And, but she says, would you call yourself Christian? Well, 
I uh, immediately sort of said, well, the, the word Christian does bother me because there's a, a whole bunch of people out there who don't hold to the, to the graciousness of God that I do. And um, so Christian is a bit of a, a struggle word for me at the moment. But yes, we follow followers of Jesus. To which a, a next word was, but do you believe the Bible is inerrant? And you know what that word means, without fault. To which I said, oh, <laughs> no, no way, you know. So that upset her totally. And uh, then she went on to, to ask some other questions about, you know, believing that Jesus was the only way of salvation and you had to be saved to go to heaven. Well, the more questions she asked, I'm sort of just <laughs> almost wanting to go in the chair and I had to let Anne sort of pick it up because I thought, he'll like, do it nicer than, than I would. So I thought I'd better just be quiet. Um, but then what happened was there was a silence. And instead of us having a relationship that's supposed to be around a core belief, there was actually a rejection. Now, I am not saying that to put that lady down. I'm trying to show you how beliefs get in the way. And that's why sometimes we need to understand this stuff to, to, to just prepare us. Does that make sense? So um, another thing that's important about this, most Christians would say that they're, they're peace lovers because Jesus was the Prince of Peace and we believe in peace. But what's interesting, the moment that you have a doctrine or a theory about the second coming of Christ, they... There is a tendency, I don't want to say they, there is a tendency to become war-loving. Let me tell you why. Because if they look at the scriptures that talk about there's rumours of wars and um, uh, earthquakes and uh, floods and famines and all this thing, that is going to be signs that Jesus is coming back. Guess what they tend to want to happen? Wars... Because Jesus is coming back. Woohoo! Do you get me? That to me is a contradiction of what we would call then our Christian faith. I would say it's the opposite that we're saying, okay, all this is happening, but what it means is right there, there's a darkness that we need to, to penetrate with the light and, and get get peace there, get, get the love of God there. Are, are you following me? Rather than saying, oh, this is great, let's all go and fight because the more people that, that somehow get killed, the sooner Jesus will come back. Is that making sense? Do you, do you get me? So I, I wrote all these down to sort of show you what the basic structure of mainstream Christianity is. Now, some of them are easy, some of them are not so easy, and we're going to talk about some of them. I did say on Saturday night that I was going to touch the lake of fire. I'm chomping at the bit for that one because that's dead exciting. I promise you're going to love that one. But until we get there, because I don't want to go too fast, and I don't want to, you know, not keep you with me. Um, and, I, and as we go, you know, just look at them very quickly before we get on to some of them. Um, what I want to say is that I don't want to be tearing away your long-held belief just for the sake of it. Um, I know the sort of de deconstruction I've had to go through and some of the things I've had to let go of, and it is painful when you've hold on, held on to something for so long and it has been your truth and you've held on to it. But I had to at least be honest to the fact that there were some things that I had been taught that when I then put it through the sieve of Jesus, who is supposed to be the exact rep representation of God, didn't seem to hang together. Because if we're talking about the character and nature of God being expressed through Christ, then on the, the other hand, you can't be saying he's this, that and the other. So what I really believe here is whatever we conclude about any of these things, we must put through the sieve of God's character and nature as expressed through Jesus, his son, who is the exact representation of the father. Now, there are the, we've talked at times about atonement theories. Do you remember the atonement theories, which were how what Jesus did on the cross 
can be interpreted, what it actually means. Well, there are just as many second coming uh, return of Christ theories as there are atonement theories. And they are theories. Always remember that. They're theories. Because everybody can look at a scripture and say, well, I think that means that because if I look at this scripture, that confirms it. And if I look at this scripture, that confirms it. The next person will come on with a totally different idea and say, well, I believe this because this scripture confirms it, that scripture confirms it. And so it all becomes quite messy. And um, Dave uh, Faramon mentioned the, the, the last time we were together about sometimes how it can be really unfortunate that, you know, you just can't pick up the Bible and have a read. And then, oh, that made total sense. Because sadly, it doesn't. And that's why it's important that we get together to try and hash this stuff out. So as you're listening to me, I am not telling you that I am right. I am telling you this is a possible interpretation. You go away and have a think about it. Go away and not think about it if you can't be bothered. But there may be some things. See, whether we like it or not, we are driven by subconscious beliefs. Things that are really in here that sometimes we never even put into words what those beliefs are. Are you aware of that? It's, it, it drives us. And, and sometimes it's because we're holding on to a fear of something that actually could be wiped away if only we would be willing to visit it. And we say, oh, that's amazing. Like, for instance, the second coming, and we'll, you know, we'll go down. Am, am, am I all right for jumping around? This is how I work best. For instance, this, I've, I've mentioned this before. The actual term second coming you don't find anywhere in the bible you really don't go and have a look you don't find it it does talk about the son of man's return it does talk about the a return but it's, we'll get on to that in a minute but i was brought up with this second coming and it was incredibly drummed into us dave and i were talking about the other day it was so hard hitting that you were very aware that don't end up in a place you don't want to be because if the Lord comes you better not be found with dirty pants or no knickers on or, or in a pub. No, it gets sillier because I started with a bad one but then with, with, oh let me be really silly, with makeup on or really early in my days, ladies, with trousers on. I mean, go back and back and back. It was, if Jesus comes and you are not where you should be, then you might not get in. That's how horrible it was. Now, some of you remember that. I am glad as the rock, you don't hear it much from us, but that's how it was. Now, think yourself very blessed because there's still, especially in the United States, it is just the top ministry. You know, all this stuff, oh, well, it just proves that Jesus is coming again and you better be in or you you know, dung, 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 dung. Anyway, I mentioned that because these are the things that... Um, you know, you used to totally dominate us. Now, where am I? Where am I? So anyway, I, I am just offering some nuts to crack, if that's okay, about all of this. And you can see, if we go through it, we've got, obviously, God. We talked even about that. You know, we questioned, is our God uh, the God of, the, of, of, of Israel, Yahweh, in the Old Testament? We've talked about that. So you can say, oh, God's the easy one. It isn't because we've got to decide who that God is. Is the God that you have, the Father of Jesus? That's, that's we'll leave it there. Uh, devil, Satan, Luce, we've, we've already talked about that. We won't go into it, into it again. But the, th the only problem I have with that is because there is obvious evil in the world, we automatically assume there must be the, the, there be a counter-entity to God. Because if God is good, then there must be an author of evil. We never just say, actually, that's not true. It's just, it's just us. You know, it's, there always has to be this. And where I had a problem with that is because it becomes um, uh, polytheistic, if you think about it, because we say that as Christians, we have one God. Think about the power we give then 
to the devil, who is almost an equal opposite. And then we're always deciding who's really at work here. Is it God? Is it the devil? And actually what we've done is made them equal, but just on opposite sides. And then what we have the story going through all of it, which is about these two beings fighting it off with us as pawns. And by the end, there's going to be this great big fight Somebody's going to win, but it's going to be pretty rough all the way. That's how it sort of seems. Now, for me at the moment, I'll just be really honest. He, he doesn't exist anymore. I believe evil does, and I believe people do awful things. But I believe the devil doesn't. And we're gonna, we've, we'll talk a bit more about the devil, maybe if we've time. But we'll see. Original sin. This is the concept that man fell. Of course, Jesus then in the future becomes the atonement uh, for man. Um, now, of course, that's the cross. But the amount of theories, there's just that many that it leaves your head spinning. Like I said, the one we're in at the moment is mainly, when I say us, I'm talking about in general. It's Calvinism. John Calvin came up with the uh, substitutional penal atonement theory. And that's the one that's been embraced by the majority And that means that basically Jesus was punished by God instead of him punishing us. So we might go free. Now, a lot of questions arise out of that, and we've tried to address them uh, in in this group, haven't we? Now, what's really interesting, there's these two things here which I, I find fascinating. If you read the Gospels... What comes up is two, two things. The gospel of salvation, but what Jesus talks about most is the gospel of the kingdom. And you think, okay, gospel, and the, you know, the gospel of the kingdom this, and the gospel of kingdom that, and the gospel of... And I'm thinking, where's this gospel of salvation? It's not actually talked about. It just is a thing that's occurred because salvation is the, is the, uh, is the, what's the word? Product, thank you. Is the product of, of Jesus dying on the cross, which then gives you salvation because of this substitutional penal atonement, which has been a, a theory created from verses in the Bible to fit what we're talking about here. So gospel of salvation is all about a covering for sin, getting rid of sin, right? But the gospel of the kingdom, which Jesus talked about, was not being saved from sin. It was actually being saved. And and this is where it really gets, and we're going to look at it. I'll show you some scriptures. It's actually being saved from a Roman invasion that was about to take place and he was actually prophesying to them that if you don't hear the message, you will perish. And yet, most people say, no, that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about the future. He's talking about this, that and the other. But this, this, what he's preaching here was the gospel of the kingdom heralding a new age which at that present time, the people weren't in. Okay, we'll talk about a bit more. Then, of course, we've got belief. We all know the word belief, don't we? What do you believe? I I faced it at the wedding. I didn't believe what this other person believed, and then all of a sudden, we're not in or whatever. Are you following me? So belief is a huge one. Now, most of my life was based on what is it? that I believe. I'm not sure it matters much anymore, although I would like to think I've done my best to try and find the truth. I don't want to just swallow rubbish. I feel as though in my life I've been hurt by it. So I'm desperately now trying to find the truth. And please believe me, I am not doing this just for my benefit. The the point is for me, I've done it. I don't have to come and tell you what I've done. I've done this for myself at home and I feel, yeah, do you know what? I've got a handle on that now. I think I've got this. I don't have to bring it to you for my sake. I feel I'm bringing it to you because some of you might be helped by it. And you could say, yeah, but you know, you can't teach old dogs new tricks. Yes, you can. You can. And I'll tell you what, if it sets you free, it's the best thing ever. And I'm going to 
do my best to let go of all the stuff that isn't bringing life. I want the stuff that brings life, don't you? However old we are, right? So that's, that's belief here. Now, saved, it's a blooming word, isn't it? Jesus uses it a lot. The gospel of salvation uses it in a totally different context to the way that Jesus used it. And we'll look at it, hopefully we'll have time, in a few minutes. So when Jesus used the word saved, and in fact, John 3.16, come on, great verse, isn't it? Everybody used to be able to quote it. I'm not sure people can now because we don't push them to memorise scripture. But for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believing in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That has been the go-to verse for what? The gospel of salvation. But in fact, when Jesus was using it, it was to do with the gospel of the kingdom. Now you might say, I'm totally lost. You're confusing me. I'll get there, I promise. So anyway, then we've got, of course, the phrase born again. We've talked about that before. That was said to one person once. (laughs) You must be born again. And then it becomes this doctrine that it's the words that are to everybody. Now I get the idea, but it becomes the thing, have you been born again? Well, I, well, I don't know what that means. Oh, well, in that case, you're not. Are you with me? Instead of just saying, to be born again for this person might not mean the same for this person. And, and we've, we've made God so small, we've reduced him down and we've reduced, I believe, even what Jesus did at the cross so, so into a box that we'd be... We start to suffocate and we become paralysed by it. Is, is this, this making sense? I hope, hope so. I've got to stop saying that, haven't I? So, based on what we've already got to, if by what you believe you are therefore saved because of the gospel of salvation, we have everlasting life. But of course, if you're not saved or born again, we're, we're sent into eternal conscious torment. I mean, that in itself is just a horrible thing and um, I'm glad, so glad that we've been delivered from, from under that understanding. Of course, heaven and hell. Isn't it funny how these two places were, were destinations? Even then we could say that actually this fits in with the gospel of the kingdom because it says the kingdom of heaven is like. So it's to do with uh, a state of how things are rather than a place or a destination. But of course, get it right, go to heaven. Get it wrong, go to hell. Then of course, we've got angels and we've got demons. We've got life and we've got death. I've put our asterisks there because we're going to, hopefully, if we've time, we're going to talk, talk about death. And I'll just give you a little, little seed thought. Life is the thing that we get when we come to Christ. Death is the thing that, that uh, we usually say is what people live in when they don't know Jesus. Sometimes that's just not true. Some people out there are pretty happy and they're not hurting anybody. They're not having a living death, right? But we have this thing about death. But there's also another thing. We believe that every time the word death comes up in scripture, it's talking about physical death. And, you know, we, we have this misunderstanding about death and we'll talk about it later I, I think I can show you in the scripture that where, where it's talking about death it's actually another word for the law because the law brings death so when it's talking about death it's actually talking about the effects that the law has on you that it actually takes you to a place of death and think about it when you're under a, a, um, a condemnation because remember that's what the law does when it condemns you and tells you you aren't this and you aren't that and you're not good enough, what is the feeling that you have? It is a death. Because where can you go after you've had that all plonked on you? There's nowhere to go, is there, other than further down? So we'll look at that possibly later. Then, of course, we've got sin versus holiness. I mean, I only have to look at that. And when, when just this last week where it's been talking about, you know, people being left behind. Well, you know, who gets taken? Oh, well, of course, the holy ones. Well, what makes you holy? You know, how, how holy do I have to be? You know, it, it all gets very questionable. Do you, do, do you get me? But, and we can look at those another time. Of course, 
Laura and Grace, I've already mentioned Pastor Rick's there, that I can show you that when we're talking about death, it's actually talking about the law and what it did to people. It brought them into a most horrendous place. Cost versus grace. Old covenant versus new covenant. And then, of course, these words are very interesting. The last days. How many of us have heard... I'm 59 now, and if I can tell you how many times I've heard people tell me we're in the last days, I could scream, we're in the last days. Why are we in the last days? Oh, because there's wars, and because this, and because of that, and because Korea's about to put, press the button, and it's been like that forever. Do you get me? But we're in the last days. Woo. End times. Again, theories. Look at them. Second coming, we've talked about that, Christ's return. Um, there is a theory which is interesting on this one, uh, and we, we'll touch on it later. When, he talks, when Jesus talks about the Son of Man returning in all his glory, there is a whole group of people out there who actually believe that Jesus wasn't talking about himself. He was talking about Titus Flavius. Now, look at me, Mrs. History. Titus Flavius, and he was the one who marched into Jerusalem in AD 70. That's why that's up there. Very significant. I'm not saying that we have to believe it, but I'm telling you that this is a, 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 a way of thinking who literally raised Jerusalem to the ground. And again, we're going to talk about that a bit more in a minute. But that's what a whole bunch of people believe. The Son of Man was not Jesus returning but actually he was talking about this guy returning and flattening Jerusalem to the ground. Again, we'll move on later. This rapture mentioned on Saturday night. The rapture is supposed to be that suddenly a whole bunch of people are just going to float up, right, into the sky. And um, <laughs> those who don't float up into the sky are left behind. Now, there's a whole bunch of films that were all about being left behind. And uh, if you watch the TV, there's been a series on lately called something. and uh, the, the, the Leftovers, wasn't it? Which actually was incredibly moving about what it's like to not understand what's just gone on. And how you live if, you know, you, you've been left behind but your husband was taken and your kids were taken. And, you know, it was really very, very... In, interesting. Um, but what's interesting ab about this, well, there's a lot of interesting things about it, but I'll just give you a bit. The rapture, again, was not a theory until just late 1800s, 1900s. And it was introduced by a guy, guy called J.N. Darby, who uh, had watched in a prayer meeting or something or other, I might not have the full facts right here, but I'm pretty pretty right. This woman had a vision and uh, it was, you know, pretty exciting uh, vision she had and it was all very graphic and whatnot. And she spoke and had this picture which he decided to get hold of and he put it out there and it literally became a very much embraced uh, theory. But again, the, the, there's very little in scripture to actually co corroborate it as a sound theory. But anyway, tribulation. This is supposedly, now again, you've got, got the problem with this one, whether this starts like this guy has said is going to start here in, uh, in October, or whether the tribulation only can start when the rapture has happened, because the tribulation is only supposed to happen to those who have been left behind, not the people who are loved by God. This is where it all gets a little bit weird, because it's like, why wouldn't God take out the people that he loves? Because he only wants to burn the ones he doesn't. See how silly it sounds? You'd, when you put it that way, it sounds very silly, doesn't it? But there are other people who believe, no, Jesus is returned, Christ's return is going to be in the middle of the tribulation so we got three and a half years where you know you're in it and then you get taken out of it so you yeah you only have the 
beginning bit and the worst bit is left at the end for the for the sinners etc man of sin that's the term now again we'll talk about that later because it's in, it, it's in the other bit of notes the beast You've heard of the beast, haven't you? The mark of the beast. I'll tell you what, Hollywood does this better, doesn't it, than, than, than all of us. Um, all about, you know, in the time of tribulation, that if you don't have a mark, then it's going to get really bad. And, you know, um, you won't be able to buy things. You won't be able to get food and this, that and the other. It's all pretty nasty. Uh, we're going to talk about who the beast is at some point. Lake of fire. That is so interesting because if you actually look at geography, the Lake of Fire is an actual place. And guess where it is? It's under the Dead Sea. Now you'd say, how can there be a fire under the Dead Sea? It's because way down there is literally a bubbling volcanic rift that isn't just a volcano, but it's actually... Please Google it. Please Google it. It's really quite amazing. And I'm not just making this up. It has been known at the time of the writing of the Bible, it was still smoking. Smoke was coming from it because it is literally a fault in, in the earth. It's the greatest fault, apparently, on the earth. So you know how there's the San Andreas Fault under California? The one under the Dead Sea is actually the worst of all. And what it contains is this uh, sulfur, brimstone, and as as asphalt, asphalt, I, don't, I can't say the words. The point is, all that has been said, the words that we used, actually describe perfectly this place. And again, we'll talk about that another time, but just to get, whet your appetite a little bit more, where the Dead Sea is, is exactly where the towns of Sodom and Gomorrah used to be. So when anybody was talking about the lake of fire, their immediate thought is to destruction because that's where Sodom and Gomorrah were. What happened to that in their memories? It was hit by whatever. If you think about it now, it was probably a volcano eruption makes total sense doesn't it they probably couldn't put it into this frame of reference but something happened that literally devoured that place and left it whatever but we know that at the time of uh, Jude's writing that there, there was still movement in that place so he had a frame of reference to it he wasn't just making it up he literally had frames of reference so that's brilliant Armageddon and I've put there boom because we all know what Armageddon means. It's that last battle, whenever it's going to happen, where everything is going to be destroyed and, of course, the end of the world is going to be. And, um, you know, we are... Oh, you just don't bear any thinking about because I can't make sense of it because I don't get why anybody would want, just because of stuff going wrong with people to destroy the whole world. It just seems a waste of a world to me. But you know, okay, we can, we can talk about that another time. Then of course, we've got things like new heaven and new earth. Now I've put an asterisk there because guess what? What you don't know, and it really is, a, a, for me, it was a wonderful revelation that there's a scripture that says, heaven and earth shall pass away but my word will never pass away. Who, who remembers that, that verse? Right. We think, there you are, what's been said is the end of the world's going to come, heaven's going to pass away, earth's going to pass away, but my word, whether it be the word just coming out of Jesus' mouth or whether a lot of people take it as the Bible will stand forever, right? Actually, the Jewish people called their temple heaven and earth that was the name of their temple heaven and earth because in their heads the temple was where heaven touched earth doesn't that make sense so when that scripture's been said heaven and earth may pass away but my word won't it's the speaking out of the temple in AD 70 being totally flattened to the ground because 
Heaven and earth were going to pass away in the eyes of the Jewish people. That was their heaven and earth. It's where it all happened. But his word was going to stay forever. Right. What I think is great about that is that we've already got a new heaven and a new earth. Can you tell me where that is? Think about it. It's me. Who's the temple? Who's the temple of the, of the Holy Spirit? So we have got a new heaven and a new earth, but not in the way that we thought about it. That it is true that, that it, the old temple in the old covenant was taken away. Because why? It could only house a small group. It was, it was exclusive. It was only for one group. But when we get that taken away and a new heaven and a new earth come. It's not heavens above and earth below coming together. It's the temple here where the Spirit of God resides in us all. Can you see how that makes total sense, doesn't it? Right. So then, of course, the last one is the New Jerusalem, and I haven't a clue about that. I haven't looked at that one yet, so there you go. Right. So where I want to go now, has that been helpful at all, or are you bored? Am I right to carry on? Right, at the bottom, some of you can't see this, and we've mentioned this before, but I'm going to go over it again. Partial preterist, it's a weird word that, full preterist or futurist. These are just groups who either believe that the prophecies of the Bible have already fully been fulfilled, they've happened, or they are partially fulfilled, or none of them have been fulfilled, and they're all going to happen in the future. Now, majority of your mainstream Christians are what you call futurists. It's all going to happen in the future. Nothing has come to pass. It's all in the future. Now, that really does give us a problem because when then Jesus talks, it doesn't make a lot of sense if it isn't talking about something coming along. But, like I said, please don't immediately say that this is what... Uh, our doctrine is. I am just putting it on the table for you to think about. So if I can just have a look at, uh, get this working, if it wants to work for me. Oh, right. Like I say, we've, you know, just um, think about, oh, I missed one, didn't I? Look at this. We've got Jews and Gentiles. They're obviously the, uh, another set of words that are very uh, common to the subject matter. But I've put an asterisk there because often we look at the word Gentiles as meaning opposite or non-Jew. So it's opposite to the Jew. So it's any other race that is non-Jewish. That's the Gentiles. And of course, the, the Jews are the Jews. But what's interesting is sometimes when the word Gentile is used in the scripture, it isn't actually referring to non-Jews, it's referring to Jews who have started to follow Christ. Because according to the Jews, how could they be Jewish if they started to follow Christ? So what they called them was Gentiles. So sometimes when you're reading it and that word comes up, you have to still ask the question, are we talking about the, the Jews who have actually converted, uh, or are we talking about uh, non-Jews, because, you know, there's, there's a lot where, where Paul and Peter uh, are tussling over the Jewish-Gentile issue. There are uh, times when we know that, that the people that are being talked about are Jews who are following Jesus and have actually become believing uh, Christ followers, if you see what I mean, and sometimes they get called Gentiles. Right, okay. Um, you can see why there's now 33,000 denominations can't you? Because there is all this and uh, it, it takes some getting your head around. Um, I think I am slightly moving towards being a, a full preterist and I get into trouble for that. I've got to be careful. I'm a bit of a partial because I know you you probably are more likely to do what he says than me. <laughs> I'm not bothered. But I think I'm getting to be more of a full preterist. I think a lot has already taken place. And uh, that causes a problem because some people say, well, if it's already taking place, what are we doing here? 
I believe what we we do. Sorry. Yeah, we should be taking part of the restoration of all things. That's what we should be doing. But a lot of people find that bit boring. No, they want they want a big boom. They want the, they want the war at the end and blah blah blah. I don't. I really don't. And uh, when all this was going on at the weekend about you know um, the twenty third and whatnot, I'm just laughing my head off. I'm thinking this this just isn't gonna. This is not gonna happen. And I don't believe it ever is in that sense. But let's just have a, a, a look at this. So. Um, uh, the, I haven't written the, the reference down. I'm sorry, I should have done. Um, but you'll all know the scripture that says, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. It's interesting that that is the, the, the verse that's used about, around the nativity, which talks about Jesus coming and he's going to be called Jesus because it means save, he's going to save his people. Now the word in there that's really interesting is his. It's going to save his people. And uh, while we want to make it of a global uh, uh, issue, which, hear me, I believe it is, uh, it is also specific to the Jews as well. So let's not just make it about the whole world. Let's say, yes, something happened through Christ at the cross uh, that was for the whole world, but also it was dealing with a very specific thing for the Jewish people. Because it says here, you shall call his name Jesus for he will save. Oh, we've already got our saved word, haven't we, coming in. His people from their sin, right? Forget sin for a minute. But um, I believe the cross is taking care of two different things. One a Jewish one, the other one a global one. And uh, we'll get on to that a little bit later. Now, um, this end time language, uh, when Jesus is speaking... Uh, we need to know who he's, who he's speaking to. Now, we've already seen there that um, uh, it says he will save his people. So he's talking to the, the Jewish people around him. And Matthew 16, 27, and we've already touched on this a little bit, but we've, we've got some scripture now to apply to it. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. And he says, truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before the sea, they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, that's a massive verse. And, um, you know, I have no other way of... I, I can't go and say that's rubbish or that's not true or it wasn't written correctly. I've just got what it says there, haven't we? And we've got to do our best with what we've got. And uh, of course, I believe we get more revelation as we go. That's why things change, because we get more, more revelation. We mustn't be afraid of that. But the point is here, if Jesus is saying, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see, see the Son of Man come in, in his kingdom, that means whatever we've tried to make of this, had to be happening back then. Because if those people were 40 years old, Jesus was 33-ish in his ministry, it must mean that within the next 40 years, something was going to happen in the context of this verse. Now, again, uh, some people believe that, that the Son of Man wasn't Jesus himself, but it was Titus Flavius, like I've said. Uh, or there are others who believe, yes, he did. He did come as the Son of Man in his Father's glory, but that was in a judgment, and that was being uh, expressed through the Roman uh, destroying of Jerusalem. Now, don't shoot me. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Does that make sense though? So, so one way or another, something was happening in that period of, of, of time. Um, Matthew 24, 22. So when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. And remember, these are the scriptures that the second coming and the rapture and, and all of this is based on. So I'm giving you those scriptures, right? Um, let the reader understand. Let those um, 
who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back into their clo- uh, for their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath, for then will be, there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, uh, and never to be equaled again. So even if we say that there's something in the future, what's being saying here is that it's not going to be equal to what was going to happen then. Um, then we have a, a, a scripture in Mark 16 that's interesting. And this is again Jesus speaking. Whoever believes and is baptised will be saved. <laughs> we haven't had the cross. This is before the cross. So he's, been, he's talking, when I said about the word saved, having a different connotation. He who believes and is baptised will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And then of course we immediately, our brains get going. It's condemned to hell see but what were they going to be condemned to if we go back to what was being said in Matthew 24 they will not be condemned to the great distress unequal from the beginning of the world until now why because the fleed to the mountains right a lot of what is written including the words of Jesus have been misunderstood um, and a lot of the last day teachings has been, like I say, put into the future. Uh, but if you think about it, we're now 2,000 years on and we talk about shortly and coming soon and by the end of the age and we're still waiting. So for me, that means that we've got a little bit, you know, I'm just throwing it out there. Like I say, I know this is going to, you know, great with some of you who have very much locked into what you were taught and it did for me for a little while but I had to say no what was Jesus saying he's actually saying that some of you guys will still be alive when this happens so okay um we've talked about the gospel of salvation haven't we so here's the thing um I believe that Jesus was heralding in uh, a new kingdom and a new age he was talking about entering the kingdom now I believe he was going to bring the old covenant to an end and it was going to be the start of the new covenant and um, I believe that um, people were being baptised not because they were getting their sins forgiven but they were actually saying I actually believe what you are telling us about what is to come and I'm saying I'm with you I'm believing you and when I get the call, basically, I'm going to flee to the mountains. So they would be what? Saved. Do, do you get it? All right, I, I hope so, because I don't want to uh, upset anybody on this. So Now, so what was then with the destruction um, of the temple? And I mean, we know that it was actually horrendous. Some, something like one and a half million Jews were massacred and we, it, it, the history books talks about blood flowing down the streets. We're talking about horrendous butchery. Has there been worse atrocities since? Possibly yes, but in that time it was the worst, if you see what I mean. Um, Apparently it was just absolutely br brutal and apparently what was one of the worst things was there was a, a trick played on the Jewish people by the Pharisees or the, the, the religious group and told them to go to the temple and they went in the temple and then of course it got set on fire and it all went up in flames and it's a pretty gruesome, uh, horrible story. Um, but you see, that the word that had come was flee to the mountains and if they had gone to the mountains they wouldn't have been in that place and in fact they were saved now we've heard the word I, I haven't put it on there but it should be another word about a remnant who, who remembers the word about the remnant the truth is there was a remnant saved because the ones who heard the word and went to the mountains were saved wonderfully so the word the word came to pass there was millions that perished and they didn't perish 
spiritually, they perished physically just as much as those that were saved were saved physically. Right, there's, a, there's a, 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 another scripture, Luke 13, because again, the word, oh, we haven't got that on there as well. Another word, repent. That's another word, isn't it? Repent that we understand. Jesus answered and said, right, I better set the scene. They're talking about a, a tragedy that had happened in another part. And uh, they were saying, you know, have these people died because of this or has this happened because of that? Because in, in those days, all sorts of uh, horrors were always to do with um, the gods. You know, well, they must have done something wrong because this has happened. But this is what Jesus, I, I haven't set that up very well, but you'll follow me. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. So what Jesus is actually saying, look, Bad stuff has gone on. It's actually nothing to do with whether they're sinners or not sinners. It's whether they've listened. And what does repentance mean? It means hear the word, have a change of heart, and do something different than what you were going to do. So Jesus is actually saying, unless you listen to me and change your mind and not get so stuck in your ways that you're going to just stay here and say, I'm not going to listen to you, you're talking a load of rubbish, they would likewise perish. Now, all I'm trying to show you is how a lot of words like repent and perish have been attached to this gospel of salvation, where a lot of it was to do with the gospel of, of the kingdom. One age was coming to an end. It was the, the age of the, the, the Jewish temple where heaven reached earth, where there was exclusion, where there was the rights and wrongs, where there was the corrupt system in the temple, it was being brought to an end and the new covenant uh, was going to be ushered in. Now, here's the thing. In Acts 2.21, uh, Paul repeats uh, the warning and he, he says this, but who, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So can you see how saved again is coming up in a totally different uh, situation? Now hear me, I am not saying that there isn't a gospel of salvation too, but this was in regards to the gospel of the, of the kingdom. So uh, right, okay. In Acts 2.40, are these going up or not? Yeah, okay. Um, it says this, a wicked and perverse generation. Um, this is who Jesus is talking to. You wicked and per perverse generation. Now, again, we try and bring it to, no, it's this wicked and perverse generation because we are worse. There's worse things happening. But it was then, it says, uh, uh, he warned them and pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added in, in that day. So there was, they were listening and they were ready to do, to do what they were told. Um, in uh, Deuteronomy 32, there's actually the, uh, you could say the, what Paul's doing is quoting from there in his, in his confirmation of, uh, of the scripture in Acts that talks about this perverse, perverse and crooked generation and they were told to consider their end and save themselves from the com coming judgment. So you see that there's this thread which is salvation that was coming in a physical way because they heeded the word of Jesus about the gospel of the kingdom. Is, is, is any of this making sense or not? You seem confused. So, hmm. Right, so um, in 2 Thessalonians 2.10 it says this. Let me put it up and then we'll... Because I've only written a, a bit here. Time will run, 29. Right, it says they did not receive 
uh, the love of the truth so as to be saved. Is that, does it say that there? Or is it? Yes. Look at this. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. I, I find that really interesting because, again, what was the truth of the message to them? It was flee to the mountains. You will be saved. But instead they chose to believe the lie and then perished. Sad, isn't it? Sad. So, let me see. Uh, Hmm. I think we're going to leave it there. Um, like I say, I want to, if it's okay, I'm going to get on to next week uh, talking about this business of death uh, being the, Paul calls the law the ministry of death. And um, he talks about it. And the reason why we're getting there, because he talks about death being thrown into the lake of fire, right? And you think, what is that all about? And until you understand it, it's about the law which was thrown into the lake of fire. And the lake of fire is all around this AD 70 that we're talking about that brings us to see that rather than pushing it into the future, there's certain things that have taken place which actually leaves us in this new covenant of grace. And rather than continuously worried about the future and what's going to happen, we recognise that actually we're in this new thing together the kingdom has, has actually been uh, born on earth so I think we'll I think I'll leave it there because I think I've already done a, a bit much um, I hope some of that's uh, helped you a little bit remember it's 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 a theory it's a possibility it's a theory um, that you can have a think about um, but I think yeah I've done enough I've said enough done okay thank you Thanks for listening. You might not be aware that The Rock is funded completely through donations from people like yourself. So if you feel like you're part of our community, it would be great if you could make a contribution by visiting our website at www.rockofyork.co.uk and just click on the donate button for more information. Thanks again. Thanks again.